It's so funny having the two new priests. I, I miss being at all the different masses. Um, but it's also great to have help. They've been an amazing blessing. Uh, whatever Father Vitold says about me is not true. just want you to know that. Okay. Tonight's gospel reading, I really want to open this up to you. This is at the heart, it's the very centerpiece of Mark's gospel. And it's super powerful. And tonight I want to talk to you uh, about faith. And I want you to, to be able to perceive this and see this through the eyes of two Frenchmen. I don't know if it's because I have two French parishes, right? Our Lady of Lords and St. Louis. But right now I'm reading, there's a, there's a group of very influential, there's like a, there was a Catholic Renaissance in France at the end of the 19th into the earliest 20th century. And there were a very prominent group first of poets and playwrights, and then of very, very serious theologians who influenced the church in a massive way coming into the 20th century. One of them, the point I want to start with tonight, is a man named Paul Claudel. Paul Claudel, an amazing writer, a poet, and a playwright. Claudel, in his life, when he was 18 years old, and I always forget the years, the end of the 19th century, 1886. In 1886, Paul Claudel, he went by chance that night in Paris. Christmas night, he walked into Notre Dame. And what I want you to hear tonight, we're going to talk about Claudel, and then we're going to talk a little later about Charles Piggy, who I'm reading right now, and who is changing my life, frankly. But Claudel walked into Notre Dame on Christmas night, and both of these men, what I want you to think about is they were real people. They're not just historical figures. They were men with hearts and souls and fears and dreams just like you. Claudel was 18. He walked into Notre Dame, and there were Vespers. And if you don't know what Vespers is, Vespers is the evening prayer of the church. And sometimes in cathedrals, so maybe someday maybe a Lord's will do this, we have, there's chanted Vespers. It's absolutely beautiful. And Claudel was 18, and he went to that service in Notre Dame, and he walked out of Catholic. He didn't believe before. He didn't believe in God. And when he described it later on in his life, he said, it was so simple, he said, I just knew. I saw, I perceived, and I knew that this was true. Claudel would wrestle with his faith, he was a, but he was a faithful Catholic the rest of his life. He wasn't perfect. It's important for us to know, right? None of us is perfect. But he spent the rest of his life as a faithful Catholic. And he had a huge influence on modern Europe in trying to pull it back to the things of faith. That night, that 18-year-old boy saw something. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is, is your spiritual senses. If your senses are off, right, many of the mistakes we make in life and the problems we have in life, they come when something's off, when we don't perceive something correctly. I'm trying to think of examples of this. 
one of my favorite stories, one of the famous stories in our family was when my mom went to confession in, at a different parish. I was going to say the name, but we'll save it. But she went to confession in a different parish after a daily mass, and she's in the middle of the confessional, and some woman comes banging on the door, and my mom, being the feisty Irish Catholic woman she is, was like, back off, wait your turn. Well, what my mom didn't know, and the priest also did not know, is that his microphone was on. <laughs> yes. Now, because that's with, this might be the only thing you remember tonight, is that story, I never take my microphone to the confessional, just so you know. But the problem, right, was he didn't know something. That priest, right, and my mother, they didn't perceive something that was real. It caused problems. Right, if you get in a car wreck, a lot of times it's because you're not seeing straight. Right, maybe someone who's, who's darting past you on I-25 didn't see that you were that close. It causes an accident. One of my favorite examples of this, right, is musicians, right? And all priests all the time will talk about how, you know, you go to different parishes and everyone on earth who's a musician thinks they're amazing, right? Emily actually is. <laughs> but a lot of places, right, when people think they're incredible musicians, right, how do you tell them they're not? It's a really hard conversation to have with someone. By the way, one of our parishioners told uh, Father Sean this week, he's like, you guys have got to work on Father Brian singing. I'm like, I've been trying for 20 years. Nothing's going to work. <laughs> Senses matter, right? If we don't see straight and if we don't hear properly, we can't act properly in the world. We have to be able to see and to hear if we're to know how to behave. Tonight, what I want to show you, right, tonight Jesus heals a deaf man. And in the Greek, the, the Greek text of Mark 7 that we heard tonight, quotes almost verbatim from our first reading of Isaiah 35. In Isaiah 35 tonight, we hear about when God redeems Israel... Isaiah says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. The church wants us to see these things together. And here's a really cool thing, and you know this, but this is so important. If you don't see straight, if you don't hear correctly, Brothers and sisters, if your senses are off, you cannot live in the world as you should. You can't. And in Scripture, I hope you know this, I hope this week, like I always say, I hope you read the Gospel and the other readings this week and prayed with them and thought about them. Physical healings in the Bible are almost never just about a physical healing. They're never about just a physical healing. Isaiah's, the whole book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters, one of the central themes 
is that Israel is blind and deaf. Israel is blind and deaf. In Isaiah chapter 6, God speaks to Isaiah and he says, Make the heart of this people fat, their ears heavy, and shut their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. The book of Isaiah hinges on this idea that Israel is both deaf and blind. Tonight, Jesus heals a deaf man. The lectionary skips over this, but guess what happens in the next chapter? Jesus heals a blind man. And in between the two, I love this, one of the coolest sections of Mark's gospel, in between the healing of a deaf man and a blind man, Jesus tells the apostles that they are deaf and blind. This isn't a physical deafness. This isn't a physical blindness. It's a spiritual deafness and a spiritual blindness. This is so powerful. Brothers and sisters, I just, I want to confront you on this. And in a way, I just want to confront myself on this. If you do not think you are deaf or blind to the things of God, you are unbelievably naive. If you do not think you are deaf and blind in regard to the things of God, you are unbelievably naive. The saints tell us that if you saw him for what he is, if you actually saw him for who he really is, you would never be tempted to commit a sin again the rest of your life. His beauty, his truth, his goodness, his glory would captivate your heart in such a way that you would wonder why you were ever tempted to do anything but spend your life being close to him. You and I are deaf and blind. And we don't see. Paul Claudel would later write about this. In one of his books, he says this. He quotes 1 John. 1 John says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have examined, what our hands have touched of the word of life. That's, that's from 1 John chapter 1, very first line. Claudel comments and he says, Likewise, he willed in his compassion to do the very same for our interior senses, to make himself available to their grasp and hold himself in readiness for them. He says, not Thomas, right? The doubting Thomas. When he says, unless, unless I put my hand in his side. Claudel says, not Thomas alone, but an innumerable host of the deaf and the blind exclaims, as for me, say what you will, unless I touch him, I will not 
believes. Right, what, what Claudel is telling us, brothers and sisters, is so St. John can say, hey, I'm a Christian, you know why? Not because I'm really smart, not because I figured everything out. It's because I touched him. It's because I saw him for 40 days after he rose from the dead. I saw it. And I heard him speak. Claudel says that is true of every single Christian who has ever lived. Love that. We don't, brothers and sisters, we don't struggle to follow God because we don't know what's right. It's because we're blind and deaf. And in that section, I challenge you, go home this week, pray with this. Go read Mark 7 and 8. In between the two stories of a blind man, or a deaf man and a blind man, Jesus will perform a Eucharistic miracle, and if we had an hour for a homily tonight, I would talk about how that integrates into this whole thing. But, in that section, right, Jesus is going to tell the apostles the reason they don't see is because their hearts are hard. It's because our hearts are hard. I am blind and I am deaf to God because I have a hard heart. Because I don't want to love Him. How do we fix this? How do we be like that deaf man or that blind man? How do we encounter Jesus in such a way that we can actually see, that we can actually hear? And I want to leave you with this tonight. It's super beautiful. The first name for Christianity is the way. Again, if we had more time tonight, if we went back to Isaiah 35, there's a prophecy in that same passage from our first reading tonight. But we'll save that for another time. What Christianity means is not that you have everything figured out. And it doesn't mean, by the way, that your moral life is perfect. Mine is still not. I'm trying to live a better life. I'm trying to live a more moral life. But that is not what it means to be a Christian. The way was the first name for Christianity. And what that means is that as Jesus walks to the cross, when he walks to Jerusalem, the apostles walk with him. And on the way, as they follow him, they're cured of their deafness and their blindness. The only way that you can perceive the glory of God Right, so your faith moves from, I, I think I said this to every single person who went to confession today. I was like, I was like this is so cool. And I just, it doesn't matter what they confess. I'm like, this is all I can talk about. <laughs> but if we, if we just saw the beauty of Jesus Christ, it moves our hearts and it cures every one of our sins. Because Christianity is about love, brothers and sisters. If we love and if we walk on that way with him, our hearts find healing. Right? They find strength. They're converted. 
So what you have to do is you got to risk something. And here's my challenge to you tonight. To be a Christian means that you're walking on the way. One way we could say it, the, uh, in, the, in the reading, right, Jesus spits on the ground, does the same thing with the blind man. Mark wants us to see the two together. He spits on the ground, and he gives the guy a wet willy, right? And then he touches his tongue. Aren't you glad I don't do that to you? I promise you I'll never do that. And then he says, be open. We use that prayer at the baptism of infants. And what, the, what our church is meant to show us is that the whole Christian life is a pilgrimage. It's the way. It's following Jesus. It's walking with him. And the whole Christian life is walking from that baptismal font to this spot here where your coffin will be the day you die. It's a pilgrimage. But here's what you got to do. You want to you see, do you want to hear? Here's what you must do. You have to get on the way. The apostles are cured as they walk with Christ. Are you walking with Jesus? Or do you just go to Mass on Sundays? You have to risk something. No one can follow him. No one can be his disciple, not a single one of us. No one can be a true Christian unless we leave something behind and risk something to follow after him. I want to leave you tonight with the story of Charles Piggy. Piggy is literally, if, if you're someone who loves poetry, I've never loved poetry in my life. Piggy is changing my mind, and he's changing everything I ever thought about poetry. His poem I'm reading right now, it's a 110-page poem, I think is the most beautiful thing I've ever read. Piggy talks about how we have to risk something. He says this, He says, mine is no ordinary life. My life is a wager. Let me tell you why his life is a wager. Piggy left the Catholic faith when he was a young man. He left it, he abandoned it, he stopped going to Mass. In the meantime, he married an atheist. They had children. He became a very prominent literary figure and a poet in France and a leading intellectual voice. And at some point, his spiritual senses woke up and he knew that the only thing was true, that was true was the truth of the faith. And he came back and he risked his life for that. Peggy, his, his atheist wife, refused to have their marriage blessed in the church. And so for the rest of his entire life, he never received the Eucharist again. Because he was faithful, and he was willing to come anyways and to risk following Jesus, even if he couldn't have all the benefits. Piggy longed to have his children baptized. His wife refused. He was one of the very first people shot in World War I. And he was shot straight through the heart, perfect for like a melancholic poet. But he was shot straight in the heart, died, one of the first people to die in World War I. And again, this is a man, a real person, with a heart and a soul. Mine is no ordinary life. My life is a wager. 
At the deepest level, there is a Catholic renaissance coming to fulfillment through me. I hope every one of you can say that. Your life is not an ordinary life. You were not made for comfort. You were not made for the sidelines. You were not made just to live a certain number of years and have a nice retirement. Your life is no ordinary life. A Catholic renaissance is happening at the deepest level inside of you. Piggy goes on, he says, I am a sinner, I am not a saint. You can recognize a saint at first glance. I am a good sinner, a witness, a Christian in the parish, a sinner, but one possessed of the treasures of his grace. Are you on the way? Or are you on the sidelines? You cannot have Christian sight or Christian hearing unless you follow Christ. Piggy died right in one of the first in World War I. By the miracle of God and his goodness, after he died and was buried, his wife and his two children were baptized and were, <laughs> came into the church. Amazing. Amazing. Jesus, tonight, Heal us of our deafness. Heal us of our blindness.